Okay, and it uh, looks like we are live, Seth. Um, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Absolute AppSec. This is uh, episode 20. Once again, I didn't remember to mute that, so I'm hearing myself echo. Yeah, well, welcome back, episode 20. Ken still hasn't learned, so we're going to keep doing this until he does. <laughs> That's the whole plan, right? This is what happens when we have two weeks off. I just forget how to do this stuff. So, which, yes, we did have uh, last week we missed. Oh, and I'm sorry. So I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter. Seth Law, um, my co-host. At Seth Law on Twitter. Uh, I mean, if you follow one of us, you probably see both of us. So, Yeah. So, um yeah, so we missed last week. We didn't have a show last week. Uh, we had stuff going on. So, and this week we're ha- we're we're gonna have two episodes. So we're gonna have one. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a lot, talk talk a little bit about some updates and just general stuff going on. And then on Thursday we're going to have Alex Smolin on uh, the podcast. And so I'm really excited about that. I know Seth is as well. So yeah, it should be fun. Alex will have a lot of good stuff to talk about. Um, I mean, he's one of those that we've both, I think, followed for a number of years. So I don't think I've actually ever talked to him like face to face, or I guess, or, you know, virtually before outside of the social media platforms. Yeah, I've seen him at a couple. We've talked that he and I have talked at a couple conferences pretty quickly. Um, AppSec USA and then uh, LocomocoSec, which actually I should point out, he, you know, he worked with, um, Neil and who was on the show not so long ago and, uh, Justin who was on the show while we were, while I was at LocomocoSec, uh, president beef. So he worked with them at Twitter. He was the, I think he was like the lead of, of, uh, product security or, or something along those lines there. Very cool. Yeah. I, I mean, it'll be good to catch up and see what he's been working on lately. I know he's got a, a ton of projects that he works through and, um, I mean, you know, he's in the industry like all of us, so I'm sure we'll have a few things to talk about. We may be able to fill an hour, maybe, right? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's going to go by quick. Uh, but, it always does. Yeah. Speaking of Locomocosec, I saw that they already opened registration. Was it registration or was it just like the hotel for it for next year? I think they did the registration and CFP. So that you could, uh, I don't know if they have the hotel block. I actually I don't. They, they did. They did have the hotel block. I did see that, but it looks like yeah, CFPs up. Call for presentations, and I don't even know if registration is on there. But I know they were talking quite a bit about it. I mean, that's very early to start a CFP, um, considering most conferences just do it a few months before. But I guess everybody wants to go to. Hawaii and maybe we'll plan their year around it. So yeah, I'll be planning my year around it. I mean, it was a, well, it was, first of all, the caliber of the talks were amazing. The location was obviously pretty great. Uh, so good com. Um, and also like, you know, the hallway con type stuff that was pretty good, but, um, yeah, I was thinking about it and I know like for like a black hat, um, for their, call for training. I think it's like, cause I remember one year I was going to submit and then, so I think it was 
for Black Hat in August. And I think that it was like September or October that I was like, oh, I think I'm going to submit this year for to do training at Black Hat. I went to do it and, and training was already closed. So it's yeah. like that far out. So I don't know. I think if you're going to put on a quality conference, sometimes that's necessary, you know? Yeah. For, you know, especially to get the people that you want, right? It's, or like, if you want to be one of those kind of industry cons that everybody goes to, it makes sense because you want the, those big names to, you know, put themselves on that calendar so everybody can see you there, can see them there. So, yeah. I mean, plus if you're going to attend, like you need to make plans on that, you know, that's, it's better to be able to do it farther out. Like you said, you know, cause it's, even if you're just attending, it's, it's a, it's obviously not like a, Hey, I live in LA and I'm going to go to Seattle or something. Right. You're talking about, this is a, this is it. What was, I think, a oh shit. I think it was like an eight hour flight from Denver or something like that, mm-hmm. like from Denver. So I think, to- but weirdly enough, I think it was like, a nine or 10 hour flight coming back directly from Honolulu, but it's still, it's like a good, you know, it's a good bit of time you're going to spend getting out there. So it's not a small leg of travel. Yeah. And, and, you know, and just to pitch them too, right. If you go to their site, um, all of the like talks from last year are up and they're pretty good. Right? Um, if you, if you're interested in the content itself, they're just releasing all the talks online so you know if you don't have anything else to listen to if we happen to be off one week go listen to some locomoco site talks right yeah i mean if we happen to be it's gonna happen we have lives we have things going on yes yes we do um and as usual uh we are you can interact with us during the show on the youtube chat using the youtube chat function or uh, via our slack channel uh, if you want a re- if you want to join our slack channel hit the website on absoluteappsec.com and there's an invitation link right there that you can follow to log in um yeah with more people joining we've had some pretty good conversations in there and uh they've led to some good topic ideas and so it's like kind of a little community that's uh starting to blossom out of that so you can sign up on our like seth was talking about you can sign up on our website absoluteappsec.com yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that, that kind of brings us to the topic itself. Um, I mean, I guess we've got, you know, we've talked about Alex coming on Thursday. We're doing a couple of them. Um, oh, you're supposed to tell us what's happening with stickers and buttons. Did you start sending those out Ken? Okay. Well, I put that on the thing to talk about because I thought I was going to get it done. I didn't. <laughs> so <laughs> no, cause my, my, okay. So long, long, let me condense this down. I hate mail and physical mail specifically. I don't mind getting it from Amazon, but whatever, like the process of mailing out, I just, you know, to go to a, yeah, to go to the like USPS and interact with the people there. Yeah. Anyways. So, uh, my wife volunteered to help me out with this and then, uh, I didn't get her any of the information I was supposed to, so that should still happen though this week. I know I keep saying that. And also like the other thing I wanted to get done and didn't get done because last week I was busy. Um, the survey t- about regarding bug bounty stuff. So like, I know hopefully by next or even Thursday, maybe I can make an announcement saying I actually did these things, but probably only the mail thing will happen where I'm mailing out the buttons and stickers. 
If you want buttons and stickers, though, to eventually someday reach you, I don't know when, then uh, send a send your name and address to absoluteabsec at uh, gmail.com. Do that. Um, uh, the other thing we could do is just dox you and have them come to your house, right, uh, to pick it up. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, sure. Why not? Sure. Why not? So, Can't so, wait to get swatted. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Ken's physical address is okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well, the people that do get the 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 buttons and stickers probably will have my address. So. Yeah. Good point. So if you want to dox him later, you can do that too, right? There, there's a you know, an advantage here to signing up. I guess if you're West Coast, I could send you stickers from here and I'll put a fake address on there for you. So, <laughs> um, cool. So the, the topic that, you know, we went on, there was, there was a good couple hour conversation on it uh, on the Slack channel this week had to do with authentication. Right. And I can't remember how it, how it initially came about. I was, I was looking, you know, back through the, the Slack history to figure out what actually happened and what spurred spurred the discussion, right? Um, yeah, I know it bounced around because it started with like, because I know it, it bounced around from like JWT versus, was it JWT versus cookies or was it uh, JWE and JWE? JWS, uh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking back. Yeah, wait, there was some bit of bouncing around here. Uh, so yeah, so Jason was talking I mean, about I JWE. Think, yeah. yeah, I think I was, me and Jason were talking about um, JWTs and JWEs. Um, like I've been working on some assessments, or I've been seeing quite a few assessments and quite a few like mobile apps that use, uh, you know, Basically, it's just you know JavaScript web tokens, right? That's um, for authentication, uh, and you know there's typically a, you know a specific endpoint you authenticate using credentials with, and then they hand you a token that's good for so long. Um, but that inside that token is your full identity. If you you know do a, bit, a base sixty four decode on it, there's a standard the JWT standard. You know the signing algorithm that was used for this token. This is how long it's valid for. This is who it is. It's typically got a lot more information in there than is necessarily, you know, necessary, but enough that the application itself can identify you. I mean, it's typically used in a single sign-on scenario, right, uh, where you pull a token for a specific service from your authentication provider, and then you can pass this token around and use it as long as it's valid. Uh, for different applications or different scopes it makes it easier so that the, uh, the the application itself doesn't have to handle authentication all it has to do is pull that token apart check the signature on it and then say okay we know that the you are this person because it's been validated by validated by the authentication service so very similar to what kerberos or some of the authentication providers do right so that that, that that's where it initially started and uh, you know my main interest there was Okay, how do you actually pull that apart, right? I mean, Ken, have you dealt with those tokens before? Have you tried to test them? Like test the encryption? 
uh, not necessarily the encryption, but even just some of the, you know, like mess with them, right? Uh, impersonate someone, you know, enumeration attacks, anything along those lines. Have you, have you played with it? I think the last the last time I did play with it, I came to the conclusion that like uh like we'll take JWT as an example. It was a lot like a client side cookie, if I'm not not mistaken. Like it was, like it was just something that I could. I mean, you can effectively use it until it's for whatever reason it's expired, right? With a client, let me explain that a little bit better. With a client side cookie, for instance even if there's an expiration set on it, like say the um, somebody set an expiration on a client side cookie and the browser might say like, okay, cool. Um, I'm going to remove that client side cookie. But unless the secret that was used to sign that cookie rotates, that cookie's still valid. Or unless uh, you've done some sort of uh, effectively a, uh, um, uh, put put a date inside of the signed value and then check that date on the server side. Uh, you you could do something like that. Um, and there's actually an article that kind of cracked me up, but it's super it's super uh, useful. Well, funny and it's, it's especially it talks about like why you shouldn't use a JWT or why you're basically reinventing the will. If your if your goal is to replace cookies, essentially, so if I can find that article, which I'm sure I will be able to, I'll post it to uh, to chat. It's got like a flow chart that says, well, if you're going to do this, then you're going to have to do this. So guess what? You've reinvented this. So um, let me find that. Let me Google that. But yeah, I mean, you're talking about assigned value. Yeah, uh, I mean, and that was just it. Like there's, yeah. There was, uh, there's not as many. I mean, initially when you start talking about authentication, um, you feel like there are a lot of attacks against that. Like, I mean, you've got your your enumeration attacks, your authentication bypasses, you know, all that kind of stuff. A, a lot of the, you know, um, impersonation attacks, like, hey, I'm going to try and become someone else, like through insecure direct object reference, right? It seems like when you initially look at one of those JWTs, and you start base64 decoding it, it's like, oh, well, there's my username. So all I have to do is change that username, re-encode it, and then send it back up and see what happens, right? Um, but very rarely have I actually run into an instance, or actually I've never run into an instance where the JWT uh, library on the server side will accept a token that's not signed properly, right? <laughs> and so actually messing with some of those values doesn't necessarily do anything. It just gets you booted out of the application, just ends up in a, you know, not authorized error or whatever else there is. Um, and then, so, you know, our discussion around JB, JWT sort of devolved from there into just, uh, you know, tokens in general, MFA, um, other authentication you know, paths that are that exist and authentication vulnerabilities. Uh, before, I, before we step away from JWT though, um, there's, you know, there's there's two main attacks that I've seen that actually are two main vulnerabilities that I see with them that I have actually, you know, seen in the wild. Uh, the first one is that the signature signature algorithm is specified in the JWT header, and you can, if they if they're not implementing it properly on the back end, and they're accepting that value from the token itself, you can change that to something like none at which point the signature is invalid and you don't even have to provide a signature, right? And then there's there's more avenues there for attack. 
the second is exactly what you were talking about as far as expiration goes, Ken. And that's the one that I've seen you know, most often is that there is like an expiration value embedded in the token, but the server doesn't necessarily care. It doesn't actually check that. It just checks whether or not the signature is valid. And if it is, then it moves on. Which is, yeah, I mean, it's the same principle as a as a client-side cookie at that point. I mean, yeah. I'm really not sure. And I just posted the, the flow chart, but it's, uh, it, and to be clear, like this is specifically what I, I mean, this, this article and my thoughts are pertaining to using JWT for sessions. Obviously, like, I mean, uh, for instance, with, with, uh, with, I'll use GitHub as, as an example for, uh, uh, interacting with the API, you can create a JWT that expires in a, uh, and it is checked, um, in a certain amount of time. And then like basically locally from your machine, you, you would use that to interact with the API, not like using in the sense that we think of like burp and all that stuff, using probably just making curl commands or something just to do something with the API. I mean, obviously you can, obviously that can be used in, in, in a different capacity, right? Like you can use a JWT to make calls. You could probably automate some stuff, but the point is that the exp expiration is checked and it's not, I guess the point I'm trying to make is it's not for like a browser based session that I'm talking about. So this is a different use case than when you're talking about like what I'm not. Okay. So what I'm, what I'm trying to say is where I think it doesn't, it shouldn't be used or it doesn't make a lot of sense or it's not exactly, it's just kind of reinventing the wheels when you've got say like a react app or an angular app. And then the solution was, well, I want to talk to a few microservices. So let me create this JWT. And then, you know, that's going to replace sessions and that JWP, JWT from your browser is going to be passed to those various microservices. Um, that's like the case that I'm talking about. And this diagram is kind of hilarious because it, it, it like talks a little bit about that. So it says like, I think I can make JWT work for sessions by changing the signing key when a user needs to invalidate their sessions. Problem is, is that when you, go, just like with the client side cookie, when you rotate the key, then the mechanism for, like if the key is not on a per user basis, then the mechanism for, you know, validating the signature that's coming to the app is now going to say every session doesn't match the, the key we use to sign. So everybody essentially gets logged out. All those sessions become invalidated. And it's some other stuff like that, like just storing an identifier in the token. Uh, oh, sorry, uh, keeping a list of revocations accessible to my server so that I can invalidate tokens. Your blacklisting authentication on server <laughs> goes down, what now? <laughs> so it just, it, it, it just walks through all of the kind of the thoughts I think we all have on like, trying to replace sessions with JWT. It's just not, you're just reinventing the wheel. But then again, there's other uses for JWT that are totally practical. They just have nothing to do with like your web browser and sessions. Yeah. I, well, I, I mean, this is still a problem, right? I mean, you're, you're starting to talk about it, like why this solution doesn't work, but I, I am seeing them used more and more exactly for this reason, right? Or exactly for this purpose. Um, whether it is a mobile app that's doing, you know, that's talking to backend microservices or, you know, or a React app doing the same thing. Um, it seems to be that there are a lot of people are defaulting to JWTs nowadays 
just because it does give them that slight piece of information that they can pass around that's controlled by the client, but then they, they don't think through all the different security aspects of that when they do try to revoke tokens or, or you know, regenerate keys, what have you. Right? Yeah. And I think like, so I posted an article on there, uh, well reposted, it was originally posted by somebody in our uh, Slack chat, but, um, I'm scrolling up to, so it was Jason White, who is going to be on the podcast, by the way, on July 17th, I think. Uh, yeah. Anyways, like the, you know, at the same time that we're talking about JWT, this article by James Kettle at uh, Port Swigger brings up some, you know, good points about the fact that like local storage and, and session storage versus cookies. Well, cookies have these various flags like secure flag, path attribute, HTTP only flag which are just trying to mask the design problem that we have with cookies. Like the fact that you need a secure flag. Well, it just shouldn't, that shouldn't be necessary. If you're making a call to HTTP and your cookie was set for, you know, HTTPS, right. But it's just a design thing, which they do reference in that article, by the way, I think this is funny because I'm in the process of rereading for the billionth time. I've not, not that any of, any of it will, will sink in, or I just hope some percentage, but I'm in the process of rereading the Tangle web, which this article uh, points to. It's such a good reference uh, for like web standards and how they're all fucked up. But um, yeah, like this article is a pretty good breakdown of like how, cookie mechanisms are insecure so yeah yeah which i mean which brings us to you know the wider discussion on authentication right um that you know, that what we're trying to do here is identify who someone is uh before we give them access to resources uh, and okay so jwt is one way that that's handled you know person logs in username password gets the token and then they pass that around to whatever resource they want to access um but there's, you know, there's multiple different mechanisms that people use for authentication, right? Uh, you know, you can start talking about multi-factor authentication, right? MFA, um, which led to an interesting discussion around MFA and um, strong authentication, as it was called a couple of years ago. Uh, do you remember this back in, oh man, you know, I'm going to date myself this had to have been like early 2000s all the banks switched over to what they called strong authentication they would show you an image right when you tried to log in do you, do oh, you remember that at all yeah so you got your uh username password and then on the next one they're like did you choose the owl is this yeah. you well they, they would show you an owl and then they would show you like a phrase right um this made i mean Okay, so I was at a bank at the time, right? Um, I was working for a, a local bank on their security team, and this was this was a direct result of the FFIEC pushing out regulations that said, and that that was their wording that banks that employed you know online banking had to use strong strong authentication to identify users, right? Uh, so at the time, there was a company that's called that was called Passport. Um, that was the technology behind that image and that phrase that they would present to you. Uh, the thing is, is it really didn't actually provide you any additional security around your credentials, right? You still had to put in your username and password. It could be argued that it made it less secure because 
the banks had to introduce this new uh, component into their authentication flow that would that allowed for easy user enumeration because normally you'd put in your username first, then it would show you an image and a phrase, and only then would you put in your password. It's really hard to you know figure out as the bank and when someone puts in a username, if in fact that is the person itself before showing them an image. So you can you authenticate users or you authenticate their existence pretty easily, right? So you allow enumeration. But then on the other hand, it's not necessarily something that you know, right? If I'm an attacker, I don't necessarily care what image or phrase pops up. I just know, hey, there's another place for me to put in a password. So I can just shove that into the next form field and move on. It doesn't actually make the the security any higher. Um, and so there was this argument that went back and forth, at least for me when I was at the bank, like the security team, they're like, well, we have to do this per you know federal regulations. We've got to implement strong authentication. This is the way the industry is going. I mean, you saw everybody from B of A to Wells to you know Citibank, they all implemented this solution. And really what it came down to is it was authentication but it was authenticating the bank to you, not the not the reverse way, right? So if the user wasn't checking to see whether or not that image was proper, so there was, you know, there was a little bit of security that it introduced, but it wasn't authentication in the traditional sense of, I'm trying to prove my identity to the bank before I actually access my account. It was the bank authenticating themselves, their identity to you, right? So they made authenticating a more difficult process by challenging the mindset was we're going to challenge the identity of the user by them choosing this, the correct image and passphrase. But in reality, it was supposed to be that, you know, that if the bank's showing you this image and, uh, you know, if they're showing, well, the passphrase could be bullshit because that is a tacker site. You just, yeah, you put in a passphrase. Cool. Right. But like, if you're not showing the passphrase, right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so the idea was that the, the user was supposed to interesting. Like I didn't actually know the history behind that. That's I did have one question. You had said that it made enumeration easier. I think you said that. Is that what you said for enumeration easier or it made enumeration easier to when they showed the image? It did. Um, like initially, like if you think about logging on to a bank, right? Or in any like online service, you put in their username and password and if either of those is invalid, you just get back a generic error message. And that's what we had at the bank at the time, but we introduced this new technology and the only thing that we had to get, uh, like the only piece of information that an attacker had to put in on the login page was the username and then they would be displayed an image, right? <laughs> um, and that image only showed up if the username was valid, right? The way the technology came out of the box. And oh, so you right. Gotta, and then we had timing issues as well because you know you've got hundreds or you know millions of accounts that it has to search through to actually see if it's valid. So you know they'd put in a username and we could show them a random image, but you also had to be careful because the random image they would you know if they tried it twice and a different image showed up two times, it still meant that it was an invalid account, right? It was it was a constant back and forth to figure out how to structure the application to use this technology. It was almost like we had to ask for a username and password and then show them the image versus you know how it was done in the past. That's pretty uh, interesting because I had no idea like 
um, the history. So what's funny is I had actually written up a finding before. And I, I remember this was like 2000. I won't say the name of the company, but uh, it's like a big. It's they've got a bunch of people's data. And anyway, so uh, and you you know who I'm talking about when I say that. But um, the, I'd written up a finding like this for them. And, and that was a suggestion. I'm like, well, just randomly show an image, like just choose uh, an image from like a random array or whatever of Im- available images. And then you've got your problem solved. And it never got fixed. And that makes more sense if they're just using an out of the box technology um, to, to, that's interesting. I just didn't know that that was the reason they were using some out of the box technology that didn't like come with that functionality. That's if the user didn't exist, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. It was just embedded. It was, you know, so you introduced it into your flow, actually RSA eventually acquired passport because they were making all these sales to, you know, big banks. Um, now that they're to their portfolio, but you've seen people go away from it now, right? Since it isn't true. And and the banks were very careful not to call it multi-factor or two-factor authentication because it wasn't. Um, it was only authenticating the bank to the consumer, but no consumer would really re- would realize that that was what was actually happening, right? Um, yeah, mo- most consumers are probably going to go to the website anyway before they put in their username and password. They're not just going to go willy-nilly, put it into random places. But I guess at the time, you know, that people were more apt to just click on links and, you know, allow, you know, their credentials to be fished. I guess you could argue that that still happens all the time. But, um, yeah. I'm pretty sure Verizon Fios login still does that shit. Really? Still uses an image like that? I mean, I'm sure there's still a lot of services that do, but I, you have seen the banks move away from it as they have introduced more realistic uh, 2FA or MFA solutions, whether that's, you know, token-based ones via email or SMS or even, you know, full-on uh, one-time tokens out of your, you know, smartphone, like using Google Authenticator or whatever else. So it was all just a cost, you know, how much does this actually cost to, to roll out? We can buy this simple solution, put it into there, and then we, we, we comply with FFIC regulations so we can move on, right? <clears throat> Anyway, I see, I see we yeah. got a shout out from Iraq, Samuel Glasser. Oh, sweet. Interesting. Um, cool. Cool. Um, let's see. Um, yeah, Jason said most pointless security control ever, those images. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of pointless shit that we do. I mean, and then it comes down from like you were talking about, like those regulations that get pushed down without much understanding of them. So, um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that was the beginning of that. Um, and then we jumped into more like um, MFA, right? Uh, and, you know, specifically that, you know, the thing that I wanted to talk through with you and that we kind of had an argument about or that we talked about was, um, the use of tokens, right, as the only piece of um, authentication information. So this uh, this kind of goes into you know JWTs, um, but it's very similar to what uh, some of the third-party authentication providers do. Is allowing us to um, have a single token that we pass to a site in order to actually log in, right? There's no reason why we just have to stick with username and password. 
right? You can you can argue that that's even actually less secure than uh, you know a 64 character or a 256 character string like token value, because half of that is a, is typically public knowledge, right? If you think about a username and password, you know usually it's pretty easy to guess what somebody's username is um, when they're logging into a site, right? So the only thing that you have to guess is a 12 or a 16 character password to log in as them. Whereas if you are using something longer that is truly random, it's gonna be a lot more difficult for someone to brute force that. Uh, but that does introduce a whole host of other problems, right? What are your thoughts along those lines? Well, I guess, oh, uh, cause I actually don't remember too much about this conversation. So I'm kind of going off the top of my head, but uh, my first thought is, okay, well, obviously there's gonna be a device that, um, that because obviously, I mean, no user is going to remember this token, right? So there's got to be yeah. some way for them to retrieve that, which then makes me think, well, I mean, obviously we would always, you'd always think of like Google Authenticator or Duo or something like that. But then you're like, but how do you do multi-factor authentication? And is there a point, right? Like if you're already putting in a token, does that kill the need for multi-factor authentication? And I think there's value in multi-factor authentication 100%. Uh, there's value in that. Um yeah. So I guess that's my first concern is that it would, I would think it would effectively take away the, the current mechanisms we use for multi-factor auth. And then I'm wondering what would replace that. Um, I, I don't necessarily think I would, I would do away with 2FA in this scenario. What I was thinking about was more along the lines of, Hey, guess what? We use one password to store long tokens, long security credential tokens, so is there really a need for me to have a username associated with each of those, right? If I have a random token that I set up when I register with Facebook, right, or whatever, whatever you know, site that I'm logging into, why can't I just use that and then use my regular 2FA or whatever, like MFA um, process? And doesn't that give me an added level of security as far as like what the username would be. It does it, does it not reduce the attack surface? Yeah. I mean, let's see, thinking through that. Um, so the, the downside would be that everybody needs to use a password storage like app. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I don't, I don't know that's a downside from our perspective, but from a usability perspective, like how common is that? I don't know. Maybe this forces people, to go that route. Um, so now you've got to have your, yeah, see, this is where I think it gets a little dicey because now you've, you've got a, it's already an issue with just two factor auth. Like, I mean, for instance, Kevin Cody, he lost his account, right. For six months. Cause he had an issue while he was transferring between phones is his duo stuff. So you're talking about introducing added complexity and, uh, sorry, I got distracted by Slack. Let me put my do not disturb. You're talking about added, uh, somewhat of like added complexity for the average user. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing. See, the thing is, I don't, I don't take a hard stance either way that it's a bad thing. I just think there's, I think there would be difficulty in getting everyone to use it which is maybe not a bad thing because of the fact that our, one of our bigger problems or biggest problems is that folks use um, like forget about the username, but the password is usually something common and easy for them to remember. Yeah. And 
yeah, this kind of, and this would force them to go. Right. I mean, you know, all of the, you know, the services themselves. I mean, you think about like how one password or like uh, last pass works and they've got some master key that you have to enter to actually unlock the whole thing. Right. And, you know, heaven forbid you lose that master key. Cause if you do, you're not, you're never getting into it again. Right. And I can't imagine like how, painful that would be at this point right as we depend on those password managers if you were to lose something like that so that you know there, there's always going to be that weak point where that is the memorable the memorable thing um uh jason brought up a good uh, you know a good point that we could use you know some sort of fido like the YubiKey, you know something that uh, you know we keep with us to actually generate those or you know manage those tokens um that would also, you know, also be a, you know, maybe a more secure way to do that. But it's almost like we do need to retrain the users. You're right. Um, but like if we're retraining them, is there any reason why we couldn't go to, you know, some sort of, hey, guess what? You trust Duo or you trust, um, you know, uh, what are the other services that are out there that do authentication? Um, you go log in there you know what your auth zero right that's that's what it was that's the one that stefan brought up yeah um you know you use one of those services you log in there you just get a token and then that's what you pass around or that's what you use is those jwts to log into other sites and we see a lot of users that are starting to do that anyway through the use of you know facebook credentials and twitter credentials or gmail or google credentials to log into other sites and allow them to establish identity that way rather than having yet another you know username and password stored somewhere else i don't, I don't think I, you know i'm not i'm not looking for a, a complete solve it was just an interesting exercise to me to actually think about what is really necessary to identify someone yeah i know that's that's always an interesting because like going even farther when you talk about like the the in the situation that you've lost abil the ability to um do a path for whatever reason let's let's say you use an email address that you like because i actually did this once uh i put in an email address that was one character off accidentally and i went through like seven levels of hell with my with uh xbox support to get um to uh to get myself to, to be able to change that email address and to be able to, uh, to log in again. And so the, that process doesn't exist everywhere. Like there are some sites, if, if like you put in the wrong email address and you know, they never had you confirm it to continue using the, uh, the account. So you put in the wrong email address and you forgot your password. Now you're talking about a situation where what do you use to identify the person? Right. So, well, and I mean, that's, that's another common attack too, right? Like if you look at um, domain expiration, right? People use vanity domains all the time, or they use their own domains for authenticating the services. If I know that you have an account with, uh, you know, Gmail or whatever, it's very easy for me to establish. Once I take over your domain, I can become you pretty easily because they use DNS as an authentication mechanism if you've forgotten your password. Um, sorry, I, I, that just popped into my head because uh, I have done that 
in the past is, you know, hey, I, you know, a friend couldn't remember whatever, and they'd let their domain expire. And I was like, well, it's still available. Let's just take it back over and tell Google that we are now the account owners and this is the new admin password. And they allow you to do that. You can re reset anybody's email once it's, you know, once it's associated with that domain. So interesting. Yeah. No, uh, I hadn't thought about that. When I brought it up, I was thinking of like the Google Flow where they, um, they do, I don't know, I don't remember what exact, but it's like, you know, hey, when was the last time you think you logged in with this account? Oh, um, yeah. You know, it's just various questions that like. Well, what, what, what was the previous password? Yeah, that that's usually one of them too, right? Yeah, exactly. What was the previous password? Just trying to do this identity of like identifying you as a human on this large automated scale and avoid bot attacks. It's just. I mean, to me, that's if we could ever get anyone on to, uh, to just like talk through how they design something like that. I think that would be I mean, that would be I could sit there and listen to that for three hours. Like that would be interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe it's something that we should, you know, see if we could identify someone at one of those big companies that would be willing to come on. Right. Um, yeah, yeah I think that about a little bit because there's, you know, it, it that is an interesting discussion. I mean, that. I, you know, establishing, like we, we talk about, and I mean, we're going to talk about this in our course too. We haven't really plugged that like, but this fall, right. You kind of talk about the three pillars of security, right. Your authentication, your authorization and your auditing or your, um, yeah. And authentication is huge, right. Identifying who someone is, is not an easy exercise. Uh, especially in an automated fashion and especially when they do forget their, you know, their credentials. So is there an easier way to handle that that prevents them from forgetting the credentials, right? Because they can't remember which of their previous 10 passwords they used or, you know, or we're depending on a third party service to do that identification for us, whether that's Facebook or something that they, they use often. I mean, I think we're seeing people do this through a, you know, a, a number of different services and a number of different ways that may or may not be more secure than, um, than what the, the status quo is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, well, I'll work on, uh, I think I know a couple of people who, who might be able to help us out on this. So I'll, I'll work on the, uh, the guest list for that. Cause I think that this is to be a, a really fun to talk about, yeah. but, um, yeah, on the, on the course front, I know we, well, I don't know if we'll have time to get to it, um, we're going to talk about the regex stuff. Um, but yeah, eh, I think we could probably just push that off. Oh yeah. Yeah. We can talk about regexes a bit later. You um, put the world cup on our list to talk about. <laughs> Except yeah, Germany lost. So I, I don't really want to talk about it, <laughs> but I, I did apologize on Twitter. If you happen to see errant soccer tweets, it's because the world cup's going on and you know, that, that must be more important than, than security right now. Right. It'd be a yeah. good time to, to fish people with uh, world cup uh, memes or whatever. Right. <laughs> be a good time. I don't know. I mean, you're um, the one that's wearing a, a Brazil shirt, so it's obvious that you are the, the world cup fan here. So. Yeah, I am. Yeah. I think this shirt proves that I'm a fan of free t-shirts that are cool. Uh, so if anyone wants to send me free t-shirts that are cool, you know, I'll wear them on the podcast. <laughs> Sweet. Free advertising on our failing podcast. Uh, 
<laughs> it's on the YouTube. You shot the sheriff. So I'm promoting them today because this was free and was clean. Sweet. Free. It has to be clean? Wow. Yeah. Okay, slow down. Slow down. <laughs> so many requirements. So many requirements here. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, but yeah, I promise I'll get my shit together and get those uh, that stuff mailed out. Um, what else do I? I feel like there's something else we owe people. I owe people. I don't know. That's the big uh, one. We did get... Um, the podcast has been accepted on Google Play, right? Uh, as a you know, as a podcast, I, I don't know if it did get through to Stitcher yet. Can I didn't check the actual email, um, but I was having problems uh, enrolling it in Apple Podcasts because I was trying to do it the week of WWDC, right? And everything was just borked at the time, so I'll go back and do that. Um, but you can subscribe to the podcast on Google Play now. Um, and we'll keep pushing it out to the other, you know, podcast platforms uh, and see if we can't, you know, keep that, keep that rolling, give you other alternatives for actually listening to us um, and, you know, hopefully learning something new when we talk or just listening to us, whatever. <laughs> well, so it is, I checked the email. It is, and I put the link in the YouTube live chat as well as Slack chat. Um, but yeah, so it's on Stitcher. It's been approved. Oh, good call. Oh, look, and it's even got the it's got them all in there. Sweet. My yeah. RSS feed is working. So good call. I will add that to the website as well, the fact that it is on Stitcher. Um, so we're on Stitcher and we're on Google Play. It will be on Apple Podcasts. Um, and if you have any others that you would like to see it hosted on, please let me know um, or let us know. Log into Slack, send us an email. Um, and we'll work on getting it out there. Uh, now that I've figured out the format and how it actually, you know, how that all works, it's not too bad to add it to different platforms. Um, cool. So, um, well, I was going to, oh yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to mention that uh, we've, I mean, we've got Alex on Thursday. I just wanted to mention that again. I think that's going to be a great episode. So please tune in. And then, um, the following week, we're going to have Jimmy Mesta on again to answer more questions. His He got bombarded the last time he was on here with Kubernetes and Docker and all kinds of uh, great questions. Like, man, I think that was the most questions we've ever had someone get bombarded with. So get your questions ready again for, uh, for serverless, Docker, Kubernetes, all that, because uh, Jimmy is going to be on again on the 26th. And then we've got uh, the following month, Ken Toller, Jason White. Um, in August, we're going to have Jim Manico on the show. Um, so we've got a we've got a good lineup uh, starting to formulate here. So um, yeah, we'll be back in two days to do this podcast again with Alex. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for uh, talking through authentication stuff with me today. Um, thanks for listening. As usual, uh, make sure to register for the course. I guess once it pops up, right. Um, for our, our adventures with Ken and Seth and code review. So, yeah. Can you register fun. for that now or no? I don't think you can, you can register to go to AppSec USA. Um, but I don't think the course registration is up. They haven't said anything um, about it yet, or we haven't received an email that they're starting to promote it. But it probably will happen pretty soon because you know, it is September, or I guess it's October time frame. So sweet, yeah, I, I hadn't looked in a while. So cool. 
Yeah. Thanks for everybody for listening. And we'll be back in two days. Sweet. All right. Have a good one. Thanks, Ken. Thanks. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye.